Thank you. Yep. Hi, I say this is the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan. This is hell. Welcome. This is the Breakfast Cell Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Yurok. Woo! Just got back. Well, last night I was at a wedding. And I'm not... We're actually going to talk about other things other than the wedding. But, uh... No, it was fun. Danced my butt off. But got me thinking... And this kind of ties in, I guess, what I'm going to ramble about today on the Breakfast Hotel podcast. But the world doesn't need my self-actualization. The world doesn't seem interested in my self-actualization. You know, I'm out here at this dance, this, this party. I'm back in Kansas for a month, coming back over from Europe for the month of December, headed back to Europe in January. And it's like, okay, you know, I've started this kind of journey when I was 17. Like, okay, I love learning. I love books. I have certain ideals. I believe in the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of goodness. And I've gone on this journey since then, trying to kind of travel the country, travel the world, read, consume every little bit of thought, and literature and art that I can get my grubby little hands on. Try to go from being the goody two shoes, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do as a kid, to really investigating and tearing apart the things I believe to try to see what actually holds water and weight in the sift of human experience trying to see different cultures, learn how different peoples live. And, you know, it's, I feel at the end of all this, I've grown and become a much better person and a much more interesting person and a much more knowledgeable and wise person. Um, you know, in, in the process of all this, I've, I've no, I'm no longer Catholic. I've made some music. I've written stories. I've started this podcast. I've lived in the Czech Republic. I was able to travel a great portion of the American South and the American Northeast. I've I've become a overly enthusiastic dancer. I'm a loud guy at parties. But on the other hand, I've learned how to tell jokes and how to make people laugh as hopefully you listeners of the the podcast can attest. And I guess it's interesting to me because my first two years of university and my last two years of high school, I was quite a popular fella. People wanted to see me. People went out of their way to see me. You know, people were very attracted to me. People wanted to have me around. And I come to this wedding... I come back to Kansas, and honestly, I've felt like a nuisance the whole time I've been here. You know, if there's somebody to see, I have to put in the work to go see them. 
And not that everyone I go to see is unhappy to see me, but I, I haven't, there hasn't been one person who's been like, yeah, oh, I hear you're back, so let's make sure we see you. I guess one aunt of mine. Um, there's that, and then there's also, you know, I'm at this wedding, and there's people there I knew from back in high school in the early years of university when I was still involved with that crowd that was at the wedding. And... You know, I would feel weird being at a wedding with people I've known for a long time and I know pretty well and not saying hi, but it was astounding to me the number of people I went up to talk to at the wedding who seemed like I was bothering them, to be honest, like who seemed like it was a chore that needed to be taken care of, that like, oh, this guy Jaga felt he had to come talk to me and so let me just be polite until he leaves me alone. And... It's like I'm not, <laughs> I don't even want to talk to these people, but I feel like I have to do it. You know, and then so, <laughs> you know, and and I'm trying to do better with the whole nice guy thing cuz I think I've been that guy and not like an actual nice person, but the stereotypical nice guy where oh, I'm nice to you, so I am entitled for your for your romantic or your personal interest, you asshole. Because I'm nice to you, I'm entitled to your affection and your concern, you know. Or, and also trying to be better about, just because everything's not perfect doesn't mean some things aren't good. But it does feel a little bit like, you know, here I've gone on this journey, this, this 11 years journey of self-actualization, and to a large degree, I feel like I've achieved that. I've become the kind of person I wanted to become 11 years ago. But the farther and farther I get into this, uh, the, the less and less it seems like, like anybody, the less and less good it seems to do me, the more and more alienated I feel from my, from my fellow humans. And... I guess there's always the thought like, oh, if I get enough streams on the podcast, if I put out a track that gets a thousand streams, if I get enough stories published in high prestige journals, then like, oh, people will respect me and this won't happen. But I'm not sure that that's the case. I mean, on one level, I think the statement, my self-actualization is not wanted, applies to the fact that I have had trouble getting any music or writing, you know, consumed or published, but beyond that, um, even if it were, I'm not sure that fixes the problem, because the problem is me, I'm not trying to be depressed, I'm not gonna turn this podcast into a pity party, but it wouldn't be a Breakfast as Hell podcast if I didn't at least give you a little checking in, give you a little state of the Jacob little state of my life, little snapshot of my mental state at this moment. But yeah, this podcast, so I've, because you know, I used to just ramble off the top of the head, uh, these podcasts, now I try to make notes for the solo podcasts, never, never with a guest do I make notes, those are all just straight off the cuff, genius, but... For the solo podcast, I've been making some notes, thinking about what I can talk about. And, you know, this podcast, I actually want to talk about the last three years of my life. Because what I did 
three and a half years ago is I went from uh, the United States and I moved abroad to Europe to live and to work. And I thought, well, it'd be interesting to talk about what that was like and talk about um, my observations upon Europeans, upon Czechs the, in the Czech Republic, the country I was living, talk about my thoughts on uh, other groups I met in the Czech Republic. Because, you know, and then maybe I will eventually expand this out in written form, in some kind of memoirs. But I thought, yeah, why not run run through that? It might be an interesting ear nugget for y'all. So yeah, about th three and a half years ago in the summer of 2018, I took a flight from Wichita to Prague. And before that, I had been living in Kansas City for two years, working as an IT consultant. Um, and then after that, six months killing time in Wichita, doing some tutoring, trying to beef up my resume because the plan was to teach English in Prague. And, you know, I am actually ethnically Czech. My last name is Yirak. I, it's always been a dream of mine to go to the Czech Republic. I had finished paying off my student loans thanks to the IT gig. And it was really, okay, now I got to cross something off my bucket list. And also, I felt, you know, that whole self-actualization thing. It's like, okay, I'm in Kansas City. I'm making good money. I'm, I'm physically fit. Just can't seem to get any attention from the ladies, you know, or I'm, I can't seem to really fit into Kansas City, make a friend group, make, find a group of people I feel close to. So why not try something different? Why not run away from my problems? Which, I don't know if it was really even running away from my problems, but I wasn't, it, I wasn't going to just stay in Kansas City working this job, but I was you know, steadily growing to hate more and more and, and put in the work there. Like, it wasn't, I wasn't interested in putting in the work that it would take to make Kansas City an ever more livable town for me. I thought, well, why don't I, instead of that, I'll put in the work to go live somewhere else. So I went abroad um, to the Czech Republic. And for those who don't know, the visa process over there, it's not too difficult, but it is expensive. So you have most people get a kind of visa for being a self-employed person. You can get a job and find an employer who will sponsor your visa. But most people, and I actually like this because then your visa status is not tied to a specific employer, go for what it, um, the Czechs call a živnostok. And that is like a self-employed person's trade license. So you, you go, you apply for the trade license, you get the trade license, you then take the trade license and you apply for a visa on virtue of being a self-employed person in the Czech Republic and then you get your visa. So as a, as a tourist going abroad, you have up to 90 days. I think 60, no, it's 90. So you can, in Europe, like, like you, could, you could apply for the visa before you go over, but most people wait. And this leads to a lot of, uh, a lot of sound and fury for Americans abroad because <clears throat> most people go... And luckily, you know, I paid for the more expensive visa service because I said, look, there's, I'm gonna, I can skimp on everything, but being legal, having my legal ducks in a row, having my visa, it's just not a level of chaos I want to introduce into my life. But a lot of people go for the more budget service. 
And the Czech Republic is very much a like pay for benefits society where it, it really does help you to to have people in power. If you have people in power and you take care of them, you know, make sure they get gifts, make sure, you know, you, you give them gifts on Christmas and holidays, um, they'll take care of you. And so, look, in a world like that, I want a visa agency that that for however however they do it always make sure to get get visas done within 3 months. So I took that visa service, but I had a lot of friends who you no know, I went over and before my 90 days I went over then I had to take a trip to to Germany cuz you can't apply for a visa in the same country you're applying a visa for at least when, the, when it comes to the Czech Republic. So I had to go over to Berlin, clubbed a little bit, went back to Prague. Then when my visa was approved, went back to Berlin to pick it up. And I, luckily that happened within that 90-day window, so I was never an illegal person there. But yeah, a lot of people in the Czech Republic, and you're allowed, um, a lot of people in the Czech Republic, uh, especially those Americans who first go over there, they get past that 90-day window, and so they can't leave the country, because if they leave the country and try to get come back in, there sometimes are passport checks I mean, of course, in airports, but even at the main train station, sometimes passports will get checked. So, or if you get a ticket, you know, if you're ticketed um, for not riding the for the riding the metro without a ticket, or for I don't know peeing in the street or whatever people do, um, they'll check your they'll check your immigration status, see that you're um, overdue, and then you'll get you'll get deported. So. That sucks for a lot of people. I've known a lot of people to whom that's caused a lot of anxiety. But, you know, I've, I eliminated that level of craziness in my life. It was really easy to find a job when I got over there. Now, I have a good, I have a good degree. I had some experience in education, even if just tutoring. Um, and also, I was a male. So a lot of people's first jobs over there as teachers, unless you are a credentialed teacher here in the States, is working in a shkolka, which is a... Um, preschool, kindergarten sort of place. We, they, I mean, for short, you can call it a nursery, but it's not. It's I mean, it's like preschool, kindergarten, and nursery all rolled into one. A shkolka. That's a lot of people's first job, and it's really easy, especially if you're a man, to find a good job. Um, some people go to the language school route, so there are language schools that like teach English and hire teachers. So the language school pays you, and the client pays the language school. And those are, by and large, a massive ripoff. So people will get paid far less than what the client actually pays a language school. And you're much better off trying to do private lessons. Why people go into that is, honestly, a lot of people over there are you know, living off of mommy and daddy's money or are running from problems or have this romantic notion that they'll be able to work 10 to 20 hours a week and make enough to live and, and travel and see Europe. And so the language school route is appealing because you can sign up, um, you can work 20 hours a week. You only work as much as you want to work, or you can do private lessons. Um, the problem with that is a lot of people, especially people who are doing the language schools, first of all, you have to travel. Like the language schools usually don't have a central location for you. So sometimes they make you travel. So you have to travel to your clients. I mean, I'm sure now in the age of COVID, maybe, probably a lot of it's virtual, so maybe this problem has gone away. But what happens to a lot of people with language schools is they spend a lot of their day traveling and traveling. So they might have 
10 hours of lessons or 20 hours of lessons in a week, but it's really plus the commute. It ends up being 30 some hours <coughs> for 20 hours of work, 20 hours of poorly paid work. Um, and people from over there are always like they're, they don't understand how cheaply some people would give private lessons because a non-native speaker, when you tell them that some English teachers are getting paid only 200, 300 crowns an hour, although I'm sure it's gone up a little bit since I first went over there, they're aghast because they're used to paying seven, 800 crowns an hour. Crowns is the Czech currency. So I did not go that route. I went to a Shkolka, and I am not born to be a preschool teacher. I feel bad for those kids. I did not have the patience. And, you know, also just the stresses of being in a new country. I know you think, oh, it's Europe, it's so calm, but there is a certain kind of getting used to it that comes with being in a different, even even a, a safe, you know, friendly European culture. Just getting used to living in a foreign country and in a foreign continent um, is stressful. And I was not a great um, primary school teacher. I, I tried really hard. It wasn't for lack of trying, but I just didn't have the temper for it. Um, but after that first year, you have to renew. So you renew after one year in the Czech Republic, and then you start getting two-year visas. And then after five years, you can apply for permanent residency, and after 10 years, you can apply for citizenship. But to get the permanent residency and the citizenship, you have to be able to speak the language. And so a lot of Americans who are over there, a lot of people I meet over there, they never actually become permanent residents or citizens um, just because they moved there when they were, like, they moved there in their first few years. They were just drinking beer and, and trying to party hardy. Um, and then they never really, they ended up staying for one reason or another, but they never put in the work to learn the language. And so they've just kind of given up. Uh, they try, but it's, you know, they don't have the dedication. There's not a real incentive for them. You know, for me, I was studying an hour a day, Czech, but I'm ethnically Czech. Like, it's it's a goal of mine to be able to speak some Czech in my life. I have a real personal reason, but, you know, self-will only goes so far. You can only force yourself to do something you don't want to do for so long, and so a lot of people just don't end up learning the language. And to be honest, there's no incentive for it. The Czechs, the Czechs don't care. The Czechs don't want to speak to you in, in Czech, man. Like, they'll do it to humor you, maybe. And sometimes, like, some Czechs who are self-conscious about their English, like, wish you were fluent in Czech. But in terms of, like, normal shop interactions or, like, situations when you can actually use the amount of Czech you've learned, um, that's a situation where they can tell you're a native speaker of English. And also, they want to practice the English they've learned. Now, I feel like they're being the assholes because I'm in the effing Czech Republic. So we should be speaking Czech. You're not entitled to my English in your country. Come to America if you want to practice your English. But uh, anyway, it's just I'm I'm almost at, honestly about three months ago I stopped trying to force speaking my Czech in restaurants and places. If I start speaking in Czech and they switch to English, I just switch to English. I don't ask to keep speaking Czech. I don't keep speaking Czech if someone's speaking English at me. Because a lot of times it's like they're speaking English at you. You're speaking Czech, and you know enough Czech to get through the situation. I mean, if the other person is patient and will listen to you. But, like, I, I just I feel like it's a fight every time I want to speak Czech. I have to have a fight, and I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting to speak a language I don't speak very well. So, you know, screw it. Like, 
there's a lot of complaining by some Czechs. Like, oh, why doesn't it? They, why don't the foreigners learn a Czech? But like, honestly, it's y'all's fault because y'all are dicks when it comes to us trying to speak the language. So there, that's my viewpoint on that. Um, yeah. So I've been I've been there. I was there a year and a half. Um, and I'll get to one of my first time I left Prague in a second. But yeah, that first year and a half, I mean, it was fun. You know, like European clubbing culture is a good time. You go out and dance till seven in the morning. There is an expat contingent in Prague, and there are like places that expats hang out. You know, when I say expats, like people from, oh, really expats means means uh, British people and Americans. You know, there are there are ex people from other countries in Europe who come to Prague, but I wouldn't say they hang out at the same places that the American and British expats do. And we, yes, people do say expat, um, even though they're really over there on a, on a year pleasure tour. They're not truly expatriates, but whatever, I'll call them expats. But yeah, there's like bar number seven down in Old Town. There's bar food in Zizkov, which fuck them. Because I tried to go in there one night about two months ago, and they, my friend I was with was was pretty drunk, but we were acting we were acting respectably, and they told us they were closed, even though I knew they were still open for another two hours. So buck fuck bar food, buck buck far food, yeah. Uh, down in Zizkov, um, Letna. Everyone loves Letna Park. You know there are places that. That people go. There are meetups online. I've learned to to really use meetup.com because there are groups that get together, exploring Prague and ZZ, ZZ, I guess, if you want to use the European alphabet. Um, so there are there are ways to integrate into that crowd. I honestly didn't do a great job of that my first go around. So I was really. Working, you know, I was focused on work. When I wasn't working, I was traveling. I was trying to save money because my teacher's salary, even though it was better than the, my language school counterparts, really wasn't that great. Um, and you know, try I you know also also sp giving a lot of time to trying to learn the language or working on writing. Working on I started working on songs during that period. You know, I moved to like four different apartments in that first year and a half, so I didn't really get the full like party life that some people get moving over there because um, that really wasn't my goal my goal was to live there and work right um yeah and I even had one <laughs> and most of my apartments weren't so bad but I was living in one I finally got an apartment of my own a year in I guess um but my, the last one I got before I got an apartment where I actually had the contract the others were just like subletting a room and a contract there was there was one in in the center, like drunk Brits would be screaming under my window on Tuesdays, and my the guy in the room next to me got deported, and nobody did dishes, so literally the kitchen counters and the kitchen sink and the kitchen table would all be covered over with dishes. Um, they used they didn't take trash out, so we would just have trash bag after trash bag after trash bag piled in the kitchen, and when we would eventually take the trash out, there would be maggots crawling all over the floor, so we would have to make a handmade flamethrower to kill all the maggots crawling over the floor, and nobody bought toilet paper except me, so at some point, I either had to start keeping toilet paper in my room, or I would end up wiping my ass, I would end up taking a shower after I took a took a crap, because um, nobody else, because I was tired of buying toilet paper for everyone. 
I was I was the only person that cleaned in that apartment. I really was the only person that cleaned. I was the only person that took the trash out. I was the only person who bought toilet paper. I was the only person who honestly wasn't a piece of shit. Like one dude worked nights at a hotel and then went home and like he lived in a closet. Like my apartment was small, my room was small, but his was half the size of my small room. It was literally a closet. Like a closet big enough for a like single person bed cot really to to be in. And he would go home from his night shift and he would shut himself in his room and he would just smoke weed all day when he was awake. Like he would he would walk out of his room and there would just be this cloud of smoke that would follow after him. Um, like I said, my first neighbor was an alcoholic, but he was deported. And then my second neighbor was a wannabe musician from some country, she was like 18, 19, who didn't play any instruments and said she was starting a band, but in the end would just like have orgies every night or have like five or eight friends over till eight in the morning when I wake would wake up for work. Cause I remember one time I woke up for work and there was this boom, 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 like huge party music. And I went over and everybody in the room was asleep except this one dude who was I conked out on something, but he was just sitting there, like sit, staring straight forward, like not even smiling, like not even moving to the music and just had this like club music blasting in this room. And he's just sitting there like looking straight forward, completely catatonic. And I'm like, hey, dude. And he looks back at me like I was the appearance of Satan. Like he had not even known that I had come out of the room and was stepping in there. And I was like the revelation of this all-judging presence. And I was like, dude, you got to turn the music down. He's like, yeah, 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 I'll do it right away. And he did. And I don't know what was up with him. So those were, and then my, my the guy that actually had the contract kept telling me how he was going to improve the place. Oh, yeah, the fridge, the fridge t- the fridge wouldn't shut right, so you had to eat your food. If you bought anything, you had to eat it within two days because otherwise it would go bad. And the freezer would regularly fill too far up with ice, and so the freezer would open. Then the, everything in the freezer would melt because so, it would because it was producing ice. And the dude that had the contract was this Russian guy who liked Joe Rogan, said he did Taekwondo, and he also smoked a lot of weed. And he had his friends over every weekend, like two or three friends. Um, and I told him I was going to leave. I gave him my two months notice. Then like two weeks before I was leaving, he was like, dude, you never told me you were leaving. It's like, dude, I told you before I went on holiday to Spain. He's like, uh, huh? yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't think you meant that. And, you know, if I didn't find the next guy, he was going to keep my deposit, which is fairly common in subleasing contracts and even regular contracts in Prague. It's it's a shady thing, but people will regularly keep regularly keep your deposit if you don't find the next person. I mean, even the place I lived at before that one was shady. Like they told me, oh, it's it's short term, but maybe it'll be long term. And then a month in, they're like, oh, actually, we always knew that this place was going to be closed down in March, but maybe the next guy will let you stay on. And then like two weeks later, like, no, no, you definitely can't stay on. You definitely be have to be out here at the end of March. And I had moved in at the start of January, which is fine. Um, you know, which is fine. But like, it was like super shitty because they just wanted to find somebody to help cut down on rent. And they were not honest with me about the actual terms of the agreement. So shady shit like that, because everybody over there, I don't know if it's a holdover from communism or if it's because as an expat or as a foreigner, you really have to just be vicious about getting what you want and what you need. 
but dude, like it's it's cutthroat over there, and getting an apartment is cutthroat. Um, if a good listing goes up, you know people get. I I've listed a couple apartments, and you get hundreds of messages, and you know, and then as from your end trying to sell the apartment, you'll tell anybody anything if they can if they'll just take your room so that you can get your deposit back from the guy who actually has the the contract. It's like that about like jobs. Jobs are super cutthroat. Bosses will fire you in a day for no reason. Or people will just like people will have a job at a school and they'll just quit overnight and disappear and give some bullshit excuse. Um, so, I mean, like the job market's really cutthroat for a foreigner. I guess I can't speak for a Czech. The housing market is super cutthroat for a foreigner. The social scene is super cutthroat. You know, people people cut you off like nothing, man. Like I've I've met some people I thought were good friends, and I just I just end up like, oh, I actually don't think I'm gonna be living here. To like for whatever reason, I had value to them, whether it was the arts or whether it was, you know, because I was le- trying to learn Czech and I was a, a Czech study partner or be, or for fucking or for um or for maybe they thought it was good for money or they thought, you know, I was going to be there long term and they wanted a long term someone else who was going to be there long term in the country. For whatever reason, like people are disposable. Like it's it's this weird mentality everyone gets into and probably me even to some extent. Like people see you as a commodity and something you offer and if you don't like like people cut and add friends as is needed um for like what their needs and wants are at the time. So it's, there is, there was a lot of fun that first year and a half, you know, I mean, I was like living in an apartment with a, I mean, for that, especially for that, probably the best time was, was the start of 2019 from like New Year's to March. I had this beautiful apartment with this beautiful view. Yes, I had to move out in three months, but the view was great. It was in a cool part of town that was out of the center. I was fucking this girl and the sex was great. You know, I had kind of a friend group going and then that all imploded around March. Um, and in some ways, that was a blessing because I started, you know, I was just so depressed after all that blew up that I said, okay, well, I'm just going to go explore the country. So every weekend, like all through all through spring, I went on hikes every weekend. In the summer, I went to Spain for a month. And then for whatever reason, the, f- the fall of that year was really rough because it's like I had been in Prague for a year at that point. And I was trying to make it work, trying to find another friend group, trying to fit in. And I hadn't really started going to meetups yet. And I just became, and I was, my job was very stressful. And I had just some, a group of kids at my job that were total dicks. And so it just became super stressful. My life became super stressful and I became super isolated. Um, and yeah, and then just, I started getting anxiety on anxieties about various things and like it all just snowballed to the point where I started having panic attacks that would last for hours. Um, so in January of 2020, I ended up at the end of January, 2020, I ended up flying back to the States just, just to take some time and heal because I was not well. Um, you know, I was definitely depressed, but it wasn't the, the, like, like I wasn't like that depressed. Like I was definitely down, but I wasn't like, oh, the world is blackness all around me, kind of depressed. It was just like there was a base level of depression, a base level of like exhaustion with all the work, with, you know, trying to make this life in a foreign country work. 
feeling like you're on the moon, and it's just like every day something. Every day, the girl woman at the grocery store yells at you, like the checkout women in the Czech Republic are the meanest motherfuckers in the whole country. Somebody, or you have to like go get a piece of paper from the some department on the other side of the city on Tuesday morning, and if you don't do it, they'll like kill your mom, or you know, like, oh, you have a job, but, you know, actually we want you to come in tomorrow, you know, for an extra two hours or like things like this, you know, like little things, little things are a lot of work in a foreign country, when it, especially when it comes to like legal processes or doing taxes, taxes, and thing. oh, I guess I have like all my free time for the next two weeks is going to be devoted to figuring out how to do my U.S. and foreign taxes. So... Like you, people think people who go abroad just have a stress-free life, and maybe some do. Maybe just like the people who go to party and have a have like college part two, that's what their life is like. But for me, it was honestly in some ways more stressful than my life was in the states. So I just came back to heal, um, worked for a bit, ended up going back. Kind of had a different plan the second time I went back which was I'm going to go back for a couple months, come back to the States again, and then go back a little bit longer term. I started going to meetups. So I started meeting people not just from my country, but from countries around Europe. I started getting involved in the music scene, going to jams, going to open mics, playing with people. I started trying to become a regular at certain places. So just like a caf cafe um, or a bar, like just so I could see this kind of have some sense of community and those those things all made a huge difference. That really, like, I don't know that my life in Prague since, because I was back for for the first half of 2020, went back for two months, came back to the states, and then went back this in the was back for a really a year, just because lockdown over there went from October to to May. So I was back in um, from November. So I was over in the states from January to. July 2020 and then also in the states I went back for two months and was in the states from November 2020 until June 2021 um and since then I've been back in the Czech Republic kept my apartment the whole time um and that was really the big thing I don't know that my life in Prague has reached the highs of those first three months of 2020 like that's probably as good or 2019 I mean 2019 the highs of 2019 um, it's probably as good as my life in Prague is going to get, um, you know, I, I mean, even, even the first half of 2019, cause I like having great sex. I loved my apartment. Then I got to hike all the time and see the, see this beautiful countryside and these beautiful castles. Then I got to go to Spain for a month. You know, I was feeling really blessed. I don't know that my life over there has reached those highs yet, but, um, it's definitely been more sustainable. Like the way I've gone about things since has felt longer term sustainable. Like if I was going to stay there five years, this is how I would do it. I got a little bit better paying job too now. So I'm able to like, um, things are easier around the edges of my income. I have a group of people I know. I have a group of people where people know who I am or a few places where people know who I am. So that's been really, that's been a lifesaver. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do this in three parts, because I've kind of talked about my journey in Prague, and which honestly I'm coming to an end to, so I've, 
I don't feel like my future is in Prague. Okay, my life is okay now. My life is sustainable. I feel better. I understand the healthcare system. I understand the legal system. There are things that bother me. There are things I like. But in the end, like I miss my country and I would rather, if I'm going to put in this much work to make living in a place work, I'd rather be doing that in the States, um, especially because I don't feel quite secure not having some kind of stable artistic resume or or like self, like my projects, my music, my writing, my podcasting is not, you know, it's not going so well as to feel like I can work part time. And there's just something about being abroad where you already feel adrift. So feeling adrift and then not feeling secure in the in the things you're pursuing just makes like too much uncertainty in your life. And so I'd rather at least be in a country that I know. That's where I'm at with my life. So uh, my plan is to go back for a little bit longer in the Czech Republic and then spend some time traveling. And if things are really great in the Czech Republic, like I would stay longer. I might try to get a little punk group together and start doing some some gigs, some punk music. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, so if things are great, I'll, I'll stay a little bit longer. But uh, most likely, I'm going to go travel. But yeah, that's that's my journey in Prague. That's that's what that has been. Um, and yeah, so why don't I, I'll do another episode where I'll talk about some of my observations on Czechs and Europeans and, and American expats and other groups I've met in Prague. Um, but, you know, rounding up my viewpoint of it from my personal experience, we'll do a part two, part three. But this part one, you know, it was great. I've grown, I've grown in ways, and it's hard for me even to put into words how I've grown or how I've. Yeah, I would say even grown, not just changed, but actually grown. There's a certain kind of adversity, like being in a foreign... I couldn't imagine someone who, say, like a Mexican coming to America where you where people don't speak your language, where people some a lot of people don't want you there, where you are... Like, it's really hard to find work. Even for me, you know, in this very privileged kind of ability to come and move to this country, it was really difficult. And it really does force you to grow in ways... You have to learn how to live in a place and how to meet people and how to how to build a community and how to like kn- to know when you need to be strong and, and know when you need to be weak. Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm not able to deal with this. I've got to hit the eject button. So and there's a there's a lot of other ways, like subtle things that I find it hard to explain. But in terms of my personal growth, it was great. But it's one of those things where, I mean, honestly, it. Like, the world does not need my self-actualization. You know, the first time I came back, after I was gone for a year and a half, I felt like a celebrity. Everyone wanted to see me. It almost felt like those last two years of high school, first two years of college again, where I just, oh my God, everybody loves me. They all want me back. I'm, I'm the coolest guy in the room. But really, since that time, um, you know, it's, it's like someone last night. I was, I was sitting at a table with a group of people. And someone was like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, I've been in Prague. Like, oh, how long have you been there? Oh, da-da-da, this is what I do. What do you do? And we literally, we spent 10% of the conversation talking about me and 80% of the conversation talking about them. And then later on the night, that a person from that table and a cousin of mine were talking, and I went over to, you know, chat. And my cousin's like, hey, did you know he lives in Prague? Da-da-da, because he's trying to set me up with this girl. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's, he, he let me know all about it. And I, you know, I just, 
like I wasn't <laughs> I make a I make a conscious effort in my own like when I think about the things I do to not puff myself up about them and also like not to be that guy who just talks about you know who's bragging about the things he does to other people but you know people will just project shit like for whatever reason this person is insecure about how their life is going and so she's just like I don't know, envious or jealous, right? And then she's just projecting like a kind of self-absorbed personality onto me that I that I de- I mean, maybe I am that person, but I certainly wasn't being that person during the the interaction that she was referencing. Um, you know, like I said, I come back and it's I have to actually put in work now, like I have to make the initiative to keep the few relationships in the States I want to keep strong, actually keep going. You know, um, I don't feel like my relationships in Prague, like some of them are great. Some of them are good. Some of them I value, but I don't feel like a lot of times I don't feel like anything other than a commodity for people, you know, like, um, and so it's, it's one of those things where like the world doesn't want my self actualization and I'm not really sure how to deal with that yet. Um, cause of course, like, Hey, I didn't do this for other people. I didn't go to Europe and go to Prague. So like other people will love me and praise me and think, Oh, he's so interesting. Da, 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 da. But it's like, I guess, what's the value of such a thing? Like going to Prague? Like, sure. It makes me interesting. Sure. It gives me experiences. Sure. It gives me insight. Sure. I've had tremendous personal development, but like in the end, really what good was it? because it's not actually getting me any closer to the things I want. Love and acceptance. Someone in my life, like a, like a life partner who loves me. Um, respect for my community. Financial security. Um, a solid list of recog- re- some kind of recognition for my artistic pursuits. Um, you know, a feeling of being wanted. Things like this. Things I really do want from my life. It's not getting me any closer to those, and it's interesting. Um, it's it's a it's something I'm I'm trying to figure out. Like what what will get me closer to those things, and I'm not quite sure because I don't want to force myself to become someone different or make things in a different way or live my life in a different way. Like I feel good about who I am and the way I live my life, but uh, I'm not. Like, life isn't about adding things that you can brag about to other people or that look interesting on a piece of paper. It's about finding some sort of resolution. And it's it's about finding things to fill the holes in your life. At least at this point in my life. I'm 29. I don't know. Maybe it's when you're younger, it's really not. I mean, even when you're younger, it's about like getting laid and going to a good party. So life is really about filling the gaps in your life. Um, and it's it's no longer like being living over there is not filling the gaps in my life. Um, and I'm not sure what I need to do, what I need to change in order to to uh, to fill those better. I mean, I'm, I'm putting in the work. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest with myself. I'm working toward things. I'm making legitimate efforts. I'm being patient, trying not to get down, but, uh, you know, it's all well and good. It's all well and good to be the guy who goes to Europe. Um, 
But at some point, like if if people aren't don't like want you to come to their parties, then what good is it to be a guy who like people are like, oh, you lived in Europe. Like, what good is that if if people after that recognition, after that, like, oh, I know somebody who's in Europe thing. Like, if when you actually sit and talk to them, two minutes in, you can tell that talking to you is like a, a chore that they have to go through. So anyway, that's the podcast, and we'll do a part two and three um, coming up. Thank you.